this is not going on the thing, is it? <laughs> no. This is definitely off. Hello and welcome to Patapod Extra. I hope you enjoyed the recent episode with the lovely Angela Fone. As usual, we chatted for quite a while, so here are some of the bits that didn't quite make the main episode. So you're a pianist and you've used to play the trombone. Can you tell us a bit about your sort of musical interests? What sort of music you like listening to? Wow. Um, there, there's very few genres of music that I don't like. I suppose my first loves are choral singing and orchestral big symphonies. Yeah. Um, and then the combination of the two when you've got something like the Brahms Requiem, you know, the big... Or yeah. Kettle, the, and the Vaughan Williams Sea Symphony and all those big chunky works that uh, I just yeah um apart from Beethoven who oh hope my husband isn't listening I'm not I'm not a Beethoven fan uh, really oh so it's a good job that all the 250th anniversary celebrations have been cancelled because of coronavirus then yeah but it's Save again, you from really that. interesting and Andy's always always loved Beethoven I yeah it's never really done it for me uh I I have done quite a lot of Beethoven sonatas playing on the piano but uh, but having said that Reese very recently um before lockdown Andy and I went to the concert hall and we heard the Beethoven Choral Symphony by, oh no, was it the Halle? It was the Halle Choir, I think, with the Halle Orchestra. Yes, and it was phenomenal. I just, I mean, I think it was probably one of the last concerts that we went to at the Royal Concert Hall, and it was a, from me, it was a standing ovation for Beethoven, and it was the choir that just hit us between the eyes with this amazing section of the statement of this beautiful beautiful music and it and it was amazing exception i think the uh, the call <laughs> well I, I remember hearing it live it must be about five years ago back home in northern ireland and i ho- was home during the summer and had dragged my sister to see it in belfast and i think it was one of the first sort of classical concerts that she'd gone to and i thought oh it's Beethoven nine like she should cope okay with this um and she'll recognize some of the music and I remember thinking, oh, well, actually, this is the first time I've heard this live myself. I know the music just from listening to it, but I haven't heard it live. And it blew me away. The performance was incredible. But also having my sister then turn around and say, oh, I think I might, you know, start going to more classical concerts if this is actually what it's like. So having that sort of oh, wow. experience with her was great. Yeah. 
I should really check in with her and see how that's going. Because uh, <laughs> I don't think she's been to many since, but uh, <laughs> that's probably my fault. I mean, the, going back to that, the performance that, that we went to recently was um, the fact that the choir did everything, did it all from memory. Oh, fantastic. I mean, they were literally, you know, standing, singing straight to us, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the chorus master had done a fabulous job. It was incredible. Incredible. That makes such a difference, doesn't it? It, when... it does. It does. I mean, I think generally we, we rely on copies way too much. And I know, you know, when you're doing big works, it's not easy to learn things from memory, but it does make such a difference when you can have eye contact with your audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, just get the book out of the way. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, with the, with Radcliffe Ladies Choir, we do all of our music from memory. I'm I'm still amazed at how they can do it. I mean, there's such a connection. I feel such a connection with them when I'm conducting them because they're with me completely. And half of that, or the majority of that, is probably because they want me to mouth the words to make sure that they know what they're singing and they've got no other choice. But it means that there's so much more musicality going on in the room Yeah. Uh, when you don't have that score in the way and they're actually looking at you and responding to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And actually, you know, if they if you know the music reasonably well, then actually the the notes and the music sort of stick in your mind. It, actually, I, I usually find it's the words that are the hardest thing to remember. So yeah. uh, when EOES have done things from memory and, you know, you've got your head out or you've got your head out the copy and Angela Kay is mouthing words, it, it mm. just, you know, helps your response. But um, how many times do you hear choir masters or choir mistresses say get your heads out of the copy exactly or your heads are down or you're looking gloomy it's and you're not engaging with anybody are you if you got your head head in the score well that's it and I've, I've been to so many concerts where i've not been able to connect with the choir or not being able to connect with the music actually because i've not been able to connect with the choir because their faces are in the copies yeah. and it just looks so so dull and i think have i paid all this money just to watch these people read yes <laughs> um, that's right that's right uh and i'm there for a musical musical performance rather than you know studying a score really yeah but, yeah. And particularly with singing. I mean, you you know, you go to an orchestral performance and and obviously the orchestra are looking at the dots and looking at the at the conductor. But that's different. I think when you're singing, there's there's something about needing to connect with your audience. Yeah. I think you're completely right there, actually. Yeah. I do hope. I know I well, I know people have said, this sounds big headed, I know people have said, you're very animated when you sing. And I think <laughs> actually that is because I'm trying to share what I'm feeling with everybody. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand why other people don't have an animated yeah. face when they're singing, depending on what they're singing, of course. But <laughs> Yeah, and I think my, I've noticed when I, I mean, I don't really get to sing that often now, but when I do, I am way more animated uh, than I used to be when I wasn't conducting, because I think I've seen it from the other side and gone, yeah. and, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be yeah. like that. <laughs> so I'm actually trying to connect to people. And even if that's when you're in a service and you're singing with other people, trying to connect to the people next to you as well. Um, uh, so that you're just, uh, and I think there's a lot that 
that connect when you're really connected to those people around you and you feel as if you're working like a section or a choir that also transfers over to the uh the audience or the congregation would be what mm-hmm. saying. yeah all helps um so beethoven is not you're not a fan no not generally <laughs> not generally <laughs> you said that you had trouble cutting it down to seven tracks do you have any sort of honorable mentions of pieces that you would have quite liked to have included oh yes well certainly silent noon uh, by vaughan williams yeah um, and the fifth symphony by vaughan williams could definitely have gone in there Brahms Requiem, any any bits of the Brahms Requiem, the Derufle Requiem, the Foray oh, Requiem. Yes. I mean, could have had Mozart Requiem. There's there's a whole load there. Maybe I need to do like a Requiem special episode. Yeah, Requiem special. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a lot lots of it to do with um, memories of of people that I've sung it with, um, performances. Uh, uh, the howling, the howling gap, I suppose, is the Bach Brandenburg Five, which I played with uh, new classical players. I think they're probably still called the orchestra oh, yeah. EOES use for you know concerts. And yeah, um, you probably you know aware that Andy built a harpsichord for me back yeah. in 2010 and in 2011. That's true love, right there. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of wood. That's the predominant love for that <laughs> building of an instrument. He'd always wanted to build it, so. Uh, uh, it was just fortunate that he married somebody who wanted to play one. So uh, yeah, <laughs> had a win-win situation there. Yeah, but yeah, it was lovely doing Brandenburg Five because um, that's quite a an epic piece for the the harpsichord. It's just fascinating to know how people sort of cut it down, and yeah, uh, it is tough. It is tough. Just yeah. as, as obvious, but and like uh, the Brahms Academic Festival Overture. Oh yeah! Oh, I love that. First time I heard that, I was actually playing second trombone in a brass band, and yeah. we did it as a as a brass band test piece. Oh, and cool. I was like, I'd probably be 15, 16, playing trombone in this band. 
And I thought the Brahms Academic Festival Overture was for brass band. Because it was only, <laughs> you know. And it was only later that I thought, oh, no, no, this is actually an orchestral piece that's been transcribed. For, I mean, which is obvious, isn't it? But uh, Well, you know, it is now, but you know when you're at that. But uh, that's a lovely piece of music. But I know it predominantly as a brass band arrangement, first stop. Yeah. weird yeah my my orchestral background was was quite short-lived really because i did i swapped to piano um yeah. at the end of the first year and did piano and singing from then on really because... i think that's one of my regrets is not having i mean i played flute to like grade five but i wish i'd played a more interesting instrument than flute and had that orchestral experience as a player yeah because yeah. anytime I stand up in front of a conductor, I mean, I always feel as if I've got no right to be there because I haven't had uh, experience as an orchestral player. And but you've got I just common with Ellie, haven't you? Because I know she says the yeah. same. Yeah, actually, you're both you're both fantastic conductors, and I, I think if you can put music across to a choir, then you just can put music across to an orchestra as well. Yeah, I think it's because anytime I've worked with an orchestra you can see them having just enjoying the music and enjoying playing with each other and uh having such a great time and i think oh i'd love just to be in the thick of it but actually as a yeah. conductor um you've got the best seat in the house sometimes absolutely the majority of the time i've got some lovely lovely memories of playing in an orchestra i'm playing in a brass band not to a lesser extent but brass band was just fun you know Orchestral stuff is just so many colours in orchestral playing. Mm. The trombone is, well, I mean, I, I love playing the trombone, but um, you don't get, it's not like playing the violin in an orchestra where you're playing most of the time. You have yeah. to sit there and wait for your bit and more often you're counting bars rest. I'm an expert on bars rest counting. <laughs> from years of doing it, but um, yeah. I just loved, I loved playing in county orchestra. And my, my best friend, Sarah, uh, was a violinist in County Orchestra. And we have, you know, just lovely memories of uh, weekend courses, learning music. And Elgar Enigma Variations could easily have gone on the list. Yeah. Um, because we did that in Canada. Uh, we we had a trip over to Canada as a sort of tour, international tour. And the Vorjak New World Symphony. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, just lovely music. Mm. Just lovely music. Mm. 